Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled Fallout. But before we do that, we need to get to the news. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Lex Luthor is going to be introduced in Supergirl season four. Executive producers Robert Rovner and Jessica Queller said this in a joint statement. Quote, we're beyond excited to introduce iconic villain Lex Luthor to Supergirl and to weave him into our story this season. We've talked about having Lex on the show since its inception, and we're excited to have him finally arrive. We can't wait for him to shake things up in National City and watch him go toe-to-toe with not only Supergirl, but his sister, Lena Luther, unquote. So, Morgan, what do you think about uh, this getting to see Lex Luther finally showing up and him uh, mixing it up with her with his uh, sister? I am uh, pretty psyched. I think that this could be really, really fun. I mean, we had the Lexo suit this season. Uh, not even this season, this episode. So maybe we'll actually get to see him in it. Yeah, I'm very excited about this because it's been pretty Luther heavy so far in season four. We We've gotten some Lillian. We've uh, gotten a lot of Lena. We've been introduced to Mercy and Otis. And even Miss. we have Miss Tessbacher on the show. <laughs> so, I mean, Lex, his people are on the show already. So it makes perfect sense for him to show up. And I think uh, I have some maybe interesting speculations. I don't know. They're probably not going to happen. But I think it's interesting that he's being introduced in a season where there's a lot of anti-alien sentiment. You know, Lex Luthor, he, he's not a big fan of aliens. That's sort of his main jam. That's his main thing. And um, also there's been some, uh, what is the right word to say? There's been some issues with the presidency. There sure has. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Lex Luthor has been president of the United States in some comic book stories. And even uh, on Smallville, you get a little taste of that with uh, some things there with Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor. So I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a presidential uh, void to fill with a president Lex Luthor. But I just think it's an interesting time that Lex Luthor is now showing up on Supergirl. It is definitely an interesting time. I, uh, It would be hilarious if he ends up as president, uh, mostly because he's currently in jail. So That's true. <laughs> I think it would be great if it was like, they were like, weren't you just in jail? And he's like, shh, it's fine. 
<laughs> well, you know, maybe after this whole debacle with President Morrison, they're like, look, we bent the rules for President Morrison. Uh, maybe we can bend the rules for some somebody else. They're like, listen, listen, we let some things go with with President Wonder Woman, and she was great. So, I mean, obviously, this hardened criminal who's tried to blow up Superman could be good as well. Like, well, <laughs> should we should we judge? Should we throw the first stone here? <laughs> and Lex is like, you're right, <laughs> you're right, America. <laughs> so you make a good point. Uh, the President Lex Luthor will probably not happen now that I think about it. But uh, I do think it still stands the fact that he's coming in and with the uh, the world of Supergirl being conflicted about aliens. That seems right up at Lex Luthor's alley. So I'm very interested to seeing uh, how he comes into the show's canvas and what that's going to do for Lena. The Lena of it, I think, is going to be really interesting because we've heard a little bit about you know, their relationship, but I think we're getting, we're, I mean, we're getting a lot more of it this season. So I feel like we're, we're leading up to, uh, to finally getting that like Lex Lena confrontation. So excited. Cause I'm, I'm curious uh, if he'll be a bad influence on her. Ooh, he might be. Um, so a little bit more news. Uh, Deadline.com reports that Aziz Tesfai is set to reoccur on season four as Kelly Olsen, the sister of iconic DC character James Olsen, played by Makad Brooks. Kelly is an intelligent and insightful woman who spent time in the military in order to pay for medical school. She's recently discharged from the military and is currently finishing her training as a psychiatrist. She's got a large heart and cares deeply about others. I think um, we both know what the most important part of this casting news is and that's that we have a new kelly i know hey og kelly rest in peace <laughs> <laughs> kelly is dead long live kelly <laughs> we have a new kelly to talk about on supergirl radio this is very exciting i think she she's automatically our new favorite character uh so so this should be uh, fun to see what she's going to be doing i think this is good for the character james because it's sort of rounds out more of his life and his world to see some of his family because uh we've really only mostly heard about his dad because of the camera and all of that so (laughs) this this would be good to meet someone else in james's family all right well that's it for our news for this episode so let's get talking about the second episode of season four called fallout and here is the official description Quote, a shocking revelation causes chaos in National City. Supergirl sets out to capture Mercy Graves while Alex takes control at the DEO. Back at CatCo, Kara decides to write an investigative story on Mercy and asks Lena if she can interview her as Mercy has ties to the Luthers. Meanwhile, Brainy meets Nia and the two end up in a precarious situation, unquote. Um, I find it hilarious, Morgan, that this uh, description (laughs) talks about Kara writing an investigative story. Uh, We never saw her complete it. Of course we didn't, and we never will. (laughs) We just never will. (laughs) Yeah, so um, good for her to start something, but you might want to finish it. Uh, but yeah, so maybe maybe it's coming. I mean, she's still she's still working on it. It's fine. She's still a work in progress, though. She is now mentoring a whole <laughs> new <laughs> per- reporter. <laughs> well, you know, uh, things happen. Uh, so this episode uh, was called Fallout, and there were a lot of fallouts to some things that were happening. Uh, President Marsden uh, resigning. Uh, there was a literal fall at the end of the episode where Kara gets affected by the kryptonite. 
Um, so there's there's even um, uh, a fallout uh, with what happens to Brainy. He has some issues trying to get himself back together after the, having that uh, encounter at the pizzeria. So there were lots of fallouts. Um, even, I guess you could say, the stuff between Lena and Mercy there's a little fallout to their relationship. So I think this episode was pretty appropriately titled. Um, so let's talk about one of the the bigger fallouts to the storyline thus far, far, which is the fact that President Wonder Woman, President Marsden, <laughs> has decided to resign from office. What did you think about that? I mean, it does seem only right that she would resign from office um, since she um, clearly wasn't not I don't want to say qualified, but like according to the Constitution, she technically couldn't be president. She did not meet the requirements. She sure didn't. Um, also, I feel like maybe something like being an alien is something that you might want to mention just like in passing, like not it doesn't have to be a big deal, but like <laughs> maybe at some point you should be like, BT dubs also an alien. <laughs> I think it would have been like, obviously it would have been different if she was like an alien who was born here and then went to become president. I think then she'd have some leg to stand on, but since she like came from another planet and then became president wonder woman, <laughs> I felt like resigning was really the chill thing to do. There was, I think like an early a scene where I can't remember who she was talking to, but they were kind of like, you know, are you sure you want to resign? And I was like, I mean, yeah, she should though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know we love president wonder woman on board in that line, but <laughs> she kind of isn't legitimate because she kind of, uh, fibbed about some stuff. So, I mean, she is doing the right thing. Don't act like, this isn't the right thing here. <laughs> it just kind of confused me. I was like, what do they, what do they want me to feel? Cause I feel like this is exactly what she should be doing. <laughs> kind of uncool that she was president in the first place. <laughs> yeah. She apparently like told people she was from Iowa, Iowa. I was like, of course, of course it would be Iowa. <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about that is, um, Linda Carter from Iowa? That would be amazing if she was. I'm actually going to look that up. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold the phone. That would be a really cool Easter egg. Because I wondered why did they pick Iowa? Oh, no. She was born in Phoenix, Arizona. I guess that doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter. Who knows? There's no connection to that story-wise. Um, so that's a weird choice. I kind of feel like President Marsden should be from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Make it an Easter egg. If you're going to do it, do it. I don't know why she would say that she was from Iowa. That Now now I'm like, well, why would she I feel like she that? just like opened a map of the United States and just pointed to a random place and was like, that seems like where I'm from. I mean, I'm not discounting the, the good folks in Iowa. <laughs> I mean, Iowa the great is state a of great Iowa. state. Uh, we, we love it here on Supergirl Radio. <laughs> but I just don't understand why she would randomly pick Iowa of all places. Uh, so that, uh, I'm kind of bummed. I was hoping that Linda Carter was from Iowa. That would have been cool. That anyway, would have been good. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to um, hold now that I'm against them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to hold that against the writers. That's just me thinking that would have been cool. Um, but I think that you were thinking about uh, Supergirl's conversation with President Marsden because Supergirl does ask her if 
resigning is necessary. And she's like, there has to be another way. There kind of isn't, Kara. Either she gets impeached or she says, you know what? I totally lied. I'm going to face up to it. I'm going to resign. So you either go out like Nixon or you get impeached like Clinton. That's uh, that's kind of how that goes. Although Clinton didn't get ousted from the office, so that's not a really great comparison. But uh, but President Marsden chose to uh, go out on her own way, which I think was a dignified way to do it. Uh, she owned up to her mistakes. She even mentioned the fact that her presidency was in violation of the Article Two of the Constitution, which I was really glad to see mentioned and to hear mentioned. Um, but I also kind of thought, well, doesn't the president, when they take the oath of office, don't they make an oath to protect the Constitution? So I was like, President Wonder Woman, you are such a disappointment. President Wonder Woman, you made some uh, some choices that I don't agree with. <laughs> I mean, you can't fake where you're from, then uh, become an ineligible candidate for office, then when you're elected, be sworn in taking an oath to protect the Constitution while knowingly violating the Constitution. I just can't <laughs> I'm protecting get on board. it from other people, <laughs> not but not from myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't really uh, care for that. I was kind of like, bye. You don't let the door hit you on the way out, President Marsden. You completely lied to the American uh, people and you violated the Constitution. Bye. See you later. Um, so I, I know that we're supposed to feel bad for her. She she uh, seemingly did some good things. But you know what? Once you violate that Constitution, see ya. See ya later. I feel like President Wonder Woman was, pro- was probably a pretty good president, but she maybe shouldn't have been president. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's all I'm saying. Listen, President Wonder Woman, there's <laughs> other... Th- you. You don't always have to be president. There are so many other ways that you can make change, President Wonder Woman. You can serve <laughs> the country in another way. You there's don't so, have to be there's president. There's so many ways. There's so many ways that don't uh, violate our Constitution. <laughs> now, I did like the some of the, the shots that they had with President Marsden. They had her in the Oval Office. They had her in this, one of the shots that I liked was, uh, there's like a close-up of President Marsden, and she's standing next to... Uh, I guess it's a flag of a bald eagle with the stars and stripes. So there's a lot of American iconography with President Marsden. So I appreciated that they associated with that with the office of the President of the United States. And I would like to think that Marsden, even though she uh, uh, did something illegal and uh, maybe one could argue criminal. A little little sketchy. Let's just say (laughs) a little sketch. (laughs) Uh, It does seem to me that she does love America. Uh, Maybe not loves it enough to respect the Constitution. But I think she does have some sense of, uh, I don't want to say pride, but maybe uh, appreciation for the country. And maybe she did want to do something good for the country and maybe she likes living in the United States, but she she did uh, do something that she shouldn't have done. Uh, so I did like that they they tried to honor that. So I, it sort of makes me curious about her story. Like, how did she get to the place where she wanted to run for president? And why did she choose to do that? You know, I'm sure she wanted to be a voice for the the, the alien population. 
But now I just I have so many more questions about President Wonder Woman. Me too. I uh, I want I know we we probably won't get much more of her or any more of her, but I just want <laughs> I want to know her backstory. I want to know like how she like rose to become a prominent figure and become president when she was an alien who just randomly chose Iowa. <laughs> I I just want to know so much more. Well, you know, it, even if we went, if we dug into her story, it might make me matter now that I think about it. What if she was like, I'm gonna run for governor of Iowa. And then she became, or she became a senator, and then she rose up the ranks in the political system, and then got to the presidency. I would be so mad because then she would have done that so many times over, and uh, and really <laughs> I mean, messed with the system. I'm pretty sure we know that she did that. Though. <laughs> like, that's definitely what she did. She would like probably went from being like a senator to like something else, and like I guess at some point she was like politics seems great uh i know that this is kind of a not cool but yolo (laughs) (laughs) well i also there was a a shot that i really liked that i i'm so curious about this because i can't remember when i was a kid we went to washington dc and i i want to say we did a white house tour but it's one of those things when you're young and you kind of don't have uh solid enough memories of those things like they're just little patches of memories and so i think we went into the white house but i don't know if we went into the oval office because i can't even remember now if they let people in the oval office during the tour um so if anybody has been on a tour recently let me know because i'm curious about it because i want to go back and do it again um but uh so the oval office ceiling on the show uh, showed an eagle uh, with the, with the words uh, "E pluribus unum" on it, and I was like, "Is that is that authentic? Is that on the you know ceiling in the actual Oval Office?" And I had to go look that up. And so, if anyone is curious, uh, the actual ceiling of the real Oval Office has what's called the seal of the President of the United States, which looks similar to what they had on the show, which, what the show actually used, the great seal of the United States. So there are a lot of different seals uh, that they use with uh, the office of the president. So there's an official seal of the president of the United States, and then they have this thing called the great seal of the United States, which is what they use to authenticate certain documents issued issued by the federal government. Um, so on the show, they actually, on the ceiling, they have the great seal. Uh, but in uh, real history, real authentic Oval Office stuff, it's actually the, the president's seal on the ceiling. So I was curious about that because I was like, they either did not do their research correctly or they did this as a choice. So I'm going to give the show a benefit of the doubt uh, that they um, had the E Pluribus Unum there as a choice, as a storytelling choice, which I think is really interesting because E Pluribus Unum, if you don't know, is Latin for out of many, one, uh, which I thought seemed like a great uh maybe approach to the resolution for this season's conflict because there's a lot of talking about how to uh, bridge the gap between the two sides of this alien uh, uh, topic that's been going on. So I sort of like the idea of E Pluribus Unum because it's, you know, it's, it's taking, you know, the many different sides and trying to unite people again. So I thought that that was a neat 
thing. So I'm going to I'm going to assume that that was their choice and that was what they maybe intended. If it's not, that's how I'm going to take it and interpret it. <laughs> so I did find that that was uh, pretty interesting. Um, I did sort of laugh at the fact that um, they mentioned that after President Marsden was outed as a Durlin, the anti-alien threads on the dark web um, increased. And I was like, what did they expect? <laughs> the president of the United States was an alien and nobody knew about it. Um, it's going to cause some curiosity and people are going to be talking about it. So I was just like, really? You didn't think anything was going to happen when this news came out? <laughs> exactly. It's very, very strange to me. Um, and nobody, uh, another thing I thought was strange that nobody seems to address the fact on the show that Kara knew about President Marsden being an alien. And it's a little disappointing to me that Kara, you know, she's supposed to be about, um, you know, as, especially as a reporter telling the truth, getting the truth out there. And she is one of the people who knew that President Marsden was an alien. And she was like, you know what? You're doing good things. Who cares about the Constitution? <laughs> she was like, eh, this seems fine. <laughs> yeah. So um, it does kind of bother me that, you know, Kara hasn't, maybe, you know, I, I don't know that I need Kara to, like, beat herself up over it. But, like, hey, recognize that maybe you had a part in this as well, this cover-up uh, against the American people. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe own up to it a little bit. <laughs> um, so uh, did you have any thoughts about like the the protests outside the White House um, when all of that was going on? Because I guess things have escalated since last week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it happened very fast. I liked the, um, I really liked the image of um, Kara in front of the White House holding the flag. I thought that was very cool and like such, such a, like a, if an iconic feeling shot of her. Um, and I think it sort of shows how she's still, um, you know, still sort of a beacon of hope, uh, even though things are getting very um, contentious, let's just say, uh, between uh, <laughs> between some people. She uh, she is still, you know, still saving people and she's still looking for people's, um, you know, to be their best selves. Yeah, I thought some of the uh, imagery there with the protests was a little, little heavy. It was like a sledgehammer visual metaphor. One could say it was a bit topical. <laughs> <laughs> Where they were basically showing two sides who clashed together like, a, like I don't know, like a civil war. And then uh, there's, a there's a literal crash into the United States with the van and the symbol of America falls. And I was like, okay, I appreciate the use of the American flag, but I feel like this is hitting me over the head a little bit. <laughs> and uh, Supergirl swoops in and saves the flag. So the, I think that what they're wanting us to see is that Supergirl is going to be uh, the person who comes, or, or, or the hero, I guess I should say, more appropriately, is the hero who comes in and helps salvage the United States, how helps bring these two sides together and, and kind of rescues uh, the country. So that's how I'm viewing that. I, it felt a little heavy to me. Maybe that's just my interpretation. But um, I did like the the imagery of her with the flag. I thought that that was really great. It certainly wasn't subtle. <laughs> I, I, yeah. will, I will agree. I will certainly agree there. I was like, oh, okay, this is this is happening. The I feel like the imagery really saved the scene for me because before that, I was like, 
Oh boy, we're getting topical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I would agree that the the image of her with the flag in front of the White House that saved th- that scene, I think, for me. And she does have a really great line. She says, "Now is the time to talk to each other, not fight." So, um, I I can get on board with that approach. I am on board, Supergirl, with that sentiment. Um, so I liked that a lot. Um, and one thing I did like about, because last week um, in in the premiere episode, I did have some mixed feelings, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say, about the episode, and especially how I felt about how Kara dealt with all of this stuff. Um, and Kara, I think, disappointed me in the premiere because I felt like she... Um, that the country had disappointed her, and so she just kind of gave up on the country. That's how it sort of felt like to me in the premiere. And in this week's episode, it was like, it was like a totally different Kara. I don't know what happened between the premiere and the second episode, but she's like, this country still has compassion and empathy. I can still reach them. Like, she's so much more optimistic in this episode, and she's, you know, encouraging the new uh, president, Vice President Baker, who's going to become the new president of the United States. She meets with him. She's encouraging him. She's like, you know, I'm not loyal to the the president. I'm loyal to the country. And I was like, oh, my gosh, where was this, Cara, in the premiere? So I was much more on board with Supergirl and Kara in this episode. And I was personally glad for that. Yeah, I think in the premiere, we sort of see her, um, I'm trying to think of like a way to say it, like, um, like illusions about, you know, how that everybody is, is doing great and everything's hunky-dory. And we kind of see those shatter. And I think that that sort of, when you realize that like not everybody is great and some people are actually kind of, the worst you can you can kind of get a little depressed and you can kind of get a little bit down on everything like oh my gosh everything is terrible and uh i think it i think this week we we kind of see her coming out of that and going like well no i still believe in i you know i still believe in people and i still believe in in goodness and i still believe that if we could talk to each other we can find common ground i think we're we're seeing a more hopeful Kara come out of the premiere where she was kind of like kind of beaten down a little bit and demoralized but I I think she I I see her as as way less demoralized in this episode and I kind of expected that there was going to be a little bit more of her being a little bit more bummed like so I'm actually uh, like surprisingly happy that she sort of was more hopeful in this episode than she was in the premiere yeah, I don't know what happened, but she she definitely changed. I I at least I this is how I interpret it in terms of my perspective on it. It did seem like she she changed her her attitude. I don't know what it was, uh, but she seemed like she was uh, more determined to be a, a solution for the problem than just dwelling on the fact that some people were being terrible. Uh, so I, I was I was relieved to see that. And we did get to see uh, Supergirl as well as Catco try to um, make a decision on how to handle, I don't know if messaging is the right word, but uh, try to handle how they were going to reach the American public, whether it be through a speech on the TV or... Uh, through an article or an editorial that came up in, in whatever publication it is that Catco publishes. So I was watching this um, with my boyfriend, and we were we were watching that scene where Nia comes in and talks to uh, James, which is a great scene. And she says at one point, 
she goes, like, you have a big platform here at CatCo. And I went, like, whatever that is. Like, <laughs> we still have no idea what CatCo, like, I just want, could I just sit in on a meeting where they explain their business plan? Like, I just want some clarity. Well, and it's it's funny to me because uh, Nia references the, she says, um, when she approaches James, wondering if he, the editor-in-chief, is going to write an editorial on where the paper stands on the alien issue. Yeah, I was like, wait, is it, are they a daily now? Are they a daily paper? I just, I thought it was a magazine. So I'm confused because Kara, at one point, worked for Catco Magazine. She was she was writing stories for Catco Magazine. So I guess Nia, it, is, she, is she working for the National City Tribune, which is the newspaper? Does Catco own that? Yes, I think so. I think the I think the National City Tribune is under the Catco Worldwide Media Empire. Yeah, so I had also thought that Cara was writing for Catco Magazine. Uh, so I was also confused with the way that they were framing it as if it was a daily newspaper, <laughs> and I was like, mm, "What? What's happening? Why can't Why can't we just get a flow chart?" about their media holdings. <laughs> just, I'm not asking for a lot, just like a just like a PowerPoint slide <laughs> that shows all of their different like they've got a radio station uh, maybe still, I don't know. There's a, a TV station presumably. I don't we don't know any about any other programming. Oh yeah, they they showed a, a news clip of Catco's TV thing on one of uh, James's monitors in his new fancy office. I feel like Catco, the programming on Catco TV or Catco News or whatever it's called is just Supergirl giving like various heartfelt (laughs) speeches to the camera. And that's like, you know how like when you put on Bravo and you know you're going to see somebody like throw a drink or flip a table, like you turn on Catco and you're like, oh, there's Supergirl. She's telling us to believe in ourselves. (laughs) I just I just want to know more about Catco is what I came out of this episode. (laughs) That's so funny because her speech to the camera in this week's episode did sort of echo uh, season one where she talked about hope, which if I remember correctly, she said the word hope like seven times in that speech. Just in case you weren't sure it was about hope, (laughs) she really wanted you to know. (laughs) Well, this time around, I was like, oh, the, the word of the day is fear. In this episode, <laughs> uh, because uh, because I'm the only one who cares about this kind of thing, um, I calculated the the mentions of fear and or the variation of that word, like scared. Uh, it was mentioned ten times in this episode. Oh my god! I was just like, okay, I get what you're doing. I get what you're trying to tell me and what you want me to be thinking about. Uh, but they they hit fear hard in the first episode. They hit Beacon of Hope pretty hard in the first episode. They did Beacon of Hope and Fear again pretty hard in episode two. And I was like, you guys need to cool it. It's okay. I get what you're doing. I get that fear is a is a big theme this season. I'm guessing that like, you know, I try to think about it in terms of, uh, so like on Justice League Universe podcast, the the podcast I'm a contributor to for the the DC films, um, we sort of break down themes in terms of like a statement. So I'm trying to get in the practice of doing that on my own. So like the theme I, I'm gathering from the season so far is that fear leads to negative reactions and can grow in 
to hatred. So I think that that's what the show is trying to get us to think about. Isn't there like a Yoda quote about that? Fear leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering leads to something. And I can't remember the last part of the quote. And quotes. I feel like everything leads to the dark side. Like that's <laughs> the the ultimate destination that you're <laughs> that you end up at. Uh, so I feel like a bad Yoda fan. So I'm gonna <laughs> look that up. So this season, let's just say that this season is going full Yoda. Okay, so Yoda, if we were gonna if we were gonna frame this the theme about fear on this uh, season of Supergirl, quote Yoda, we must. <laughs> fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. So I miss I misquoted that because you should stop at suffering and I wanted to keep going after suffering. There was nothing after <laughs> suffering. I really thought that it ended up at the dark side. I didn't think that we started at the dark side. No, you start with the dark side, yes. And then we just end up at suffering. <laughs> like that's a that's a bummer. Yoda telling it like it is. Um yeah, so they they hit the fear aspect of this pretty hard. So uh Supergirl was not uh, talking about hope a lot, but she did talk about a lot about fear. So did um, President Marsden. Jean talked about about it. Mercy talked about it. Brainy talked about it. Agent Liberty talked about it. So everybody was talking about fear in this episode. So um, if if episode three comes around and they're like, you know about fear, we got to talk about fear in this episode. I'm just gonna be like, y'all need to. What if episode three comes around and they're just talking about suffering? <laughs> like we've we've made it. <laughs> we have ended uh, up at, at the resolution of where fear takes us. <laughs> so I did think that that was something that they, they hit a little hard, but I understand the intent behind it. Um, so what did you think about James's sort of push and pull in this episode where Nia was sort of trying to convince him to write an editorial on behalf of CatCo and he was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick to the facts. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do this because I have a strategy, and I feel like this is not the right time. Uh, do you think he made the right decision? It looked like he was gonna write an editorial by the end of the episode. Do you think that that might be the the best way to go? Yeah, I thought that that was a I thought that was a really interesting push and pull between uh, between James and Nia and how they were coming at the issue from two different perspectives and uh, how they were both trying to sort of see each other's perspective um, that he thought that the best way to do it is to. Uh, report the facts and sort of let the facts speak for themselves. And he thought that it was a little bit too chaotic of a time to put out an editorial and that the people who weren't going to listen to them would just shut them out anyway. Um, whereas Nia had a different perspective and sort of tells him that as a trans gender woman, she has a different perspective on it because she has sort of experienced that othering and that she thinks that it's important that the that catco whatever entity it happens to be this week take a stand and um and and write an editorial and i thought that that was interesting to show the two different sides of the story the sort of just the facts versus um you know we're seeing something that's wrong and we're going to have an opinion about it i think I, I think that maybe maybe james did make the right decision in writing that editorial because it's an editorial page and, you know, it's not like 
an editorial that's saying these are the facts. It's saying this is the opinion of the editor-in-chief. And also, I mean, he he did just come out as a vigilante. So I feel like what a weird time it is to be in that city. (laughs) (laughs) Just overall, in general, like you're reading the editorial from the editor-in-chief of your of your local whatever kind of publication <laughs> it is uh, that day and you're like he fights crime on the weekends like it's just I'm just saying maybe uh, it had we had we had snapper car still I feel like it would may may he snap forever in, <laughs> in off screensville where he is living uh, in the in the yurt with cat Grant, yes. um i think that it would maybe for me at least make more of an impact because he see uh, like uh, a, an editor character that's removed from the insanity of national city <laughs> uh crime fighting might have more of an impact on like the the day-to-day national city resident who is like I mean, sure, he has some good points, but also um, he sometimes goes out in a full body metal suit and uh, <laughs> and beats up criminals. So <laughs> some of whom were aliens, some of whom were aliens. That is true. <laughs> I want to say that James fought off the Daxamites just like everybody else did when he was guardian. He sure did. Uh, I just think that like um, there's a there's probably a, a special weird feeling that you get reading. A, an editorial from somebody who was recently under indictment. So I'm just, <laughs> it's just National City. Let's just say National City is having a moment right now. <laughs> That's such a good point. I didn't even think about the fact that he was he was uh, almost indicted as a vigilante. Yeah, like on the news, like the day before. I think he mentioned. I think she Nia mentions like, I know you're not trying to make waves with the Guardian stuff, and I was thinking. I feel like we're not hitting the Guardian stuff hard enough, which is something I never thought I would particularly say about Guardian ever. But it just there there feels like there should be so much more Guardian fallout. And I know that these episodes are really stuffed with a lot of stuff. And I'm sure that we're going to get into that Guardian stuff. But right now it does kind of feel like he's like, yeah, I mean, I might have went to jail last week, but like... <laughs> Who's got that fashion piece? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's such a good point. This episode was called Fallout, and we didn't get any of the Guardian Fallout. Like, we got that in the premiere. But maybe they should have held it for this episode. And I will say, even I didn't. I don't think I pointed this out in last week's episode. But um, that Guardian storyline really should be about James, and yet. It does seem mostly about Lena at this point, <laughs> which is a weird creative choice. <laughs> I'm like you. It's sort of taken a turn when the Guardian stuff started happening. I was like, they have totally abandoned the Jimmy Olsen aspect of this character. And I don't like them giving him this Guardian stuff and throwing Jimmy out. But now I'm like, uh, I think you should do more Guardian stuff. <laughs> yeah. I th- but I think it's I think it's what it is, is like, I don't mind. I like that we're seeing more like... Jimmy Olsen reporter for whatever outlet this is like seeing him more in that reporter function but it feels like they just want us to forget about all the Guardian stuff and you have to like if you want his new storyline to be about journalism or be about running Catco which he apparently did in like two hours last year and now he's it's a full-time job again uh, (laughs) I feel like you have to like 
put to bed the Guardian stuff. Like, you have to resolve that storyline and actually spend the time in that storyline and resolve it before you can just move on to the next thing. But in typical Supergirl fashion, we just go on to the next thing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Resolving storylines is for suckers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I personally uh, liked that James was, you know, just wanted to focus on the facts, no facts, you know, only facts, no spin um i liked him talking about the only way to reach people is through balanced reporting i personally found that very refreshing because most things now everything is an editorial everything has a slant everything has an agenda and if you just give me the facts i'm like yes please that's all i want (laughs) just give me what happened so i actually found that really refreshing i did understand nia's side of it that you know i liked her quote that she says we have to show people that violence against aliens is not okay and that the only way we're going to survive is if we start truly seeing each other and i thought that that was a really beautiful sentiment um but i also thought that james made a good point that you know there are going to be people who read Catco, watch Catco, listen to Catco, however they consume Catco, um, <laughs> that they are going to know what Catco's stance on aliens is, and they're going to be fine with that. But it's the people, you know, the other side of the equation, you know, if you want to unite everybody, you got to think about that. So I actually thought that it was very mature and professional of James to handle it in that way. So I was a little bit disappointed at the end when he seemed like he was going to decide to do that editorial because I was like, oh, but you were just going to be about the facts. And I was happy about that. So I, I don't know. I can see both sides of it. Um, but uh, but I, I think if it was me, I would just stick to the facts in this situation. Yeah, I think that they did a really good job of of showing both sides of that pers- uh, of that. Um, I'm not even disagreement, like the discussion. And I don't think that they, they thought that I felt I got the, the good balance from that. Like, I don't feel like James's perspective was wrong and I don't feel like Nia's perspective was wrong. So I like, I like that they gave them both of their um, points of view, a lot of respect um, and let them sort of um, vocalize why they felt the way that they did. Yeah. And good for Nia. She sort of chickened out last week uh, in the premiere uh, where she had that fashion pitch and she didn't she didn't go for it and so this this time she had a passion for a subject and she decided to go straight to the top go straight to the big man and uh, put it out there so good for her she seems to have gotten a little more confidence um, and I think one of the most important aspects of James in this episode that we really need to talk about is that we got a full shot of his new office many shots of his new office and. I'm a little concerned, Morgan, because I don't know how to feel about his new desk. I'm going to be honest. It's not as homey. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like he had his old desk set up. It was just, it had such a, such an inviting quality to it. Like, you just wanted to curl up under there and read a nice book and, like, maybe watch some Netflix. And I feel like, I mean, he's gone really modern, I feel like, with the new, <laughs> the new setup. It's a little colder, a little more bachelor patty. <laughs> I don't know how he and Lena are going to cuddle under that thing. (laughs) (laughs) But how is he going to George Costanza it? Because there's no back to the desk. You can see all the way through it. Maybe he's going through like like an exhibitionist phase. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he's just like, this is who I am and this is how I live. And you're, you're all going to see it. Like, could you imagine like they're, they're walking by at the end of the night and they're like, bye boss. And he's like curling under his <laughs> desk and everybody's like watching him. And he's like, goodbye. He's like, e- like in his slanket eating some like popcorn. <laughs> well, I, I just got really concerned about that. Cause I was hoping that maybe he didn't abandon his desk and uh maybe that meant he did find a real house or an apartment he might be living somewhere that's not under the desk which i mean i'm a little sad about honestly i had grown quite attached to my desk <laughs> theory <laughs> i mean he 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 totally revamped the office he's made it more i guess james like he has it looks like there's art on the walls i guess it's maybe some of his photography he's got that he's got little trinkets little uh shelving uh, that has some trinkets on there. So he's, I guess he's kind of made it his own. It's not as Cat Grant anymore. So uh, I guess good for James that he has uh, made that office his place. And um, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm hoping good things for that new desk. We'll see. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really attached to it yet. I, I feel uh, a little betrayed by the desk choice. I do too, honestly. I was like, oh, that's not the desk I grew to love. <laughs> So we'll have to see what happens with the desk. Uh, But uh, so let's move on and talk about uh, one of the other big aspects of this episode was the fact that Kara ends up in lockdown with Lena and Eve, and they basically have to fight Mercy Graves. What did you think about that? Um, So this part of the episode was my everything. It's it's everything I've ever wished for and more. Mostly because uh, Lena fights Mercy Graves, like, BattleBot style <laughs> with, <laughs> with pieces of robot. And she has, like, a like a shield. I just, it was, um, it was amazing. Um, and I, and I also thought the, so I have two, I have two strong feelings about this. One is that this episode perfectly encapsulates how incredibly stupid it is that both Kara and the show refuses to let Lena in on the secret (laughs) as um, many people could have died just because she doesn't feel like having an awkward conversation with her bestie. (laughs) And the second is that the comedy in this episode was amazing and so good. Like Melissa Benoist was perfect her and and uh katie mcgraw were so funny in all of those scenes where every time car was suggesting some ridiculous plan like well what if i just hid over here in this room that has nowhere to hide and lena was like don't be stupid you you come with me and or car i think the part i laughed at the most was when car was like oh yeah we're all gonna split up right and lena just looks at her like she's an idiot and was like no of course not we're (laughs) we're all safer in a group (laughs) it was like horror movie 101 like lena was like listen i have seen a horror movie (laughs) i play chess a lot i know how this works uh it was so so funny and then there was just so much comedy in all of those scenes, but the when uh, when uh, Tess closes the door with her like hairpin, oh my god! I just I was dying. This the, that whole portion of the episode, uh, like if there weren't some of the other stuff that was kind of like was pretty good. I actually really liked this episode overall, but that whole portion of the episode 
could have been a whole episode. Like that could have been a bottle episode and I would have been so happy. Yeah, I I agree that that could have been its own episode. Um, yeah, th- that sequence was really great in terms of, I mean, Melissa, you, you nailed it on the head. Her, her frustration, she really communicated how frustrating it was for Kara to be like, I cannot get out of here. She won't let me leave. So I, I thought that that was really great and really well performed by Melissa, especially uh, playing that comedy. So I, I did get a kick out of that. And even though Mercy was a little mustache twirling, I uh, enjoyed her um, because she was <laughs> she was a little more mustache twirling. Um, and one of the things that I picked up on, and I want your thoughts on this because this is very important, but we got some information about Mercy and Lena's relationship. And one of the things that we found out was that uh, in addition to Mercy teaching Lena how to act and to reach for the biggest gun, she also taught Lena how to dress. <laughs> And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? I immediately zeroed in on that one because <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, I haven't seen Mercy's clavicles at all, so I'm not sure I believe that. <laughs> she did have one shoulder out. That, oh, you're you're right. You're right. Well, that's how that's how you knew that like Lena was going to win in the end. <laughs> because Lena knows if you if you want to win, if you're committed, you get both of them shoulders out. <laughs> You, you can't just you can't just go wishy washy. You can't just pop out one. You got to pop them both out. <laughs> I thought I I did. I will say if we're boardroom or ballrooming it right now, we are that 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 Lena's outfit this episode was almost normal business attire <laughs> until and this is until I noticed that she was wearing over the knee boots, which seems like. An intense choice for the work day. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, is she wearing like like is she wearing tights or are those no? Those are her boots." <laughs> well, you know, I maybe her. I don't know. Her could her legs have gotten cold, and she was like, "I'm I need a little more on my legs." I don't know. I don't know how to justify that choice. She was like, "It's just so cold outside. I'm gonna just roll my boot all the way up." <laughs> <laughs> that is the only thing I can think of. And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. I did like the Lena versus Mercy stuff, and I liked getting more information about uh, their past and how Lena had seen or at least uh, felt like Mercy was a big sister to her. And I found myself uh, agreeing with Lena. Sometimes I do see, uh, find myself agreeing more with Lena than I would have expected to. Like last season when Lena and Kara had that fight about kryptonite, I was like, I am on Team Lena. And in this episode, uh, Lena talks about what, how Mercy sees aliens. And uh, she says that she felt intelligence for humans wasn't enough, that humans needed to develop even greater powers and abilities than aliens. And she says, I don't disagree with Mercy's main point. Why can't humans be as powerful as aliens? And I was like, you know what, Lena? That's a good point. Why can't, why can't they? Why can't they uh, strive to be better than they are? Why can't they uh, try to reach for the skies? Um, I see no problem with that. 
Uh, so I, it made me a little uncomfortable that I, I once again agreed with <laughs> Lena Luther about something. Yeah, I, I do often find myself agreeing with Lena Luther uh, about various things. I did like that she was midweek, uh, midday day drinking too. <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you're, you wake up in the morning and you're like over the knee boots, it makes sense <laughs> that you're like in the middle of the day, you're like, why don't I just pour all of the scotch that I have in? to this giant glass and drink it. Yeah, that was definitely at lunchtime because Cara had <laughs> Cara brought her burgers. Yep. That was a um a generous pour of of alcohol in that glass. Yeah. So uh Lena, just uh maybe maybe take it easy. Uh <laughs> but you mentioned that uh force force field thing that she had with the the robotic arm of the Lexo suit and Oh yeah. This uh, maybe I'm reading into this too much, but in the comics Agent Liberty has a force shield kind of like that. It almost looked exactly like that. Ooh, that's right. Maybe I'm just comparing them cuz that's what I've seen in the Agent Liberty stuff. Maybe the show just wanted to put a force shield and it happened to look like that. I don't know. But I was like, that's intriguing to me. That could be some foreshadowing. I don't know. I don't know if Agent Liberty is going to, maybe that's going to lead to the jetpack. <laughs> I mean, I'm holding out for the jetpack. Uh, absolutely. Because does it the Lexo suit? You can fly in the Lexo suit. Yeah, you sure can. Look, I'm just putting out there, maybe Agent Liberty is going to get his hands on the Lexo suit. That would be uh so scary, but also amazing. Uh, maybe that's why Lex Luthor shows up in season four. He's like, what are you doing with my stuff? Um, so the last thing I wanted to chat with you about, Morgan, is the Brainy stuff in this episode. So we got to see Brainy and Nia's meet cute, as it will, uh, as it were. Yes, <laughs> as it were. Uh, so they meet for the first time, and so that's a big deal, but it's a sort of a sad situation that happens with Brainy especially. So what did you think about his, uh, encounter at the pizzeria? I think we should focus first on the most important thing, which is that his favorite pizza is apples and olives. That's an intense combination. Yeah. You're, you're going for a little, like, salty sweet thing, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Listen, there are people who really hate uh, pineapples on pizza. Those people are crazy. Pineapple on pizza is awesome. <laughs> Those people are wrong. We are a pineapples on pizza podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're pro pineapple. Yes, we are. We are getting into controversial opinions right now. We're That's getting real take. topical. Super topical. <laughs> pineapples on pizza is a good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you anti people. You're wrong you're and you're wrong. missing out. 100% wrong. <laughs> But apples and olives seems like a bad, <laughs> a bad combination. <laughs> I feel like no, someone needs to tell Brainy about a Hawaiian pizza if he wants to like get crazy. He doesn't need to get as crazy as he's as he's gotten. <laughs> um, I really liked I liked their air quotes meet cute. I liked the him meeting uh, her standing up for him. I thought that was really cool because when we saw her in the premiere, she was like a little bit more timid, and in this episode, she really gets uh, a huge backbone. And I think it's because uh, she just doesn't like seeing people mistreated, and I think she has a really strong sense of justice. And so when she sees how the, the pizza place is treating Brainy just because his 
um, uh, we don't want to pay for FX uh, budget uh, disappeared. <laughs> um, she she realizes she can't just stand there and do nothing. She has to like step up and uh, and protect him. And that was a very dangerous situation that she was in. She could have very easily gotten hurt, um, but she but she did the right thing. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, and I I'm interested in seeing their interaction because. Does he know her future? What would that be? Descendant? Descendant, yes. Uh, yeah, I think he knows Dream Girl. I think he made that connection while he was talking to her because she told him his name. She she told him her name, and uh, he seemed to think she looked familiar. So I think he made the connection to Dream Girl in that conversation. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how their interactions, uh, you know, I don't know how much they'll interact in the future, but um, seeing what those are, there did seem, there seemed like there was like maybe a little spark there. She, uh, I, I like the way that she played that scene where he's like kind of seeing if he can see her again. And she's like, you'll find me, you'll look <laughs> me up. <laughs> I think she, I mean, does Brainy know how to Facebook stalk? I think is the better question. Like, is he, is he going to be all up in her Instagram uh, looking at her posts from three years ago, but making sure that he does not like them by accident. Don't double click. <laughs> um, I think Brainy could find anything on the internet that he would want to. So I think he could look her up. So I, I did think that that was uh, a good way to go about it, that Nia was like, if you want to come find me, you'll find me. So um, uh, I think uh, hopefully we'll see them uh, reconnect at some point because it did seem like they made a little connection. So I was glad to see that they sort of bonded in that way. Um, I did like that she stood up for him and, um, you know, basically was somebody there to, because I think Brainy sort of, I think he wanted somebody to to be there with him while that was going on. Because his talk with Alex later, he felt, he seemed like he was really hurt and maybe, I don't know if scars, scarred is the right word, but he did seem maybe to be more like, yeah, like shaken, very affected by that situation. So I'm glad that he had somebody there with him when that happened. And he wasn't by himself, although he handled himself fairly, fairly well, he sort of dodged the uh, baseball bat being thrown at him. And he, you know, he talks about violence, is the most basic human emotion and should only be our last resort should communication fail. So he he did know what was happening and was trying to uh, go about ways to uh, avoid uh, confrontation with these guys. I did think that the uh, thugs with the baseball bat, uh, it was a little cartoonish. I felt like it was, it was a little, okay, I don't know that I'm totally buying these guys right now, but I understand what they were going for in terms of uh, putting them in a situation where they were being judged for who they were. And um, so I'll, I'll go with it for that, even though I didn't quite buy the, the threat that was in the scene. Um, and I did think it was funny that Nia threatened those guys because she was like, you know, I'm a reporter at CatCo Worldwide Media. Uh, so I did. I, I understood that she was like, I'm going to tell these people about, you know, how awful you are. But I was also like, uh, does that hold sway with these guys? Do they care about uh, CatCo Worldwide Media? Um, so I just thought that was funny because, uh, you know, are you talking about the newspaper? 
Are you talking about the radio? Are you talking about the TV? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what she was actually working for? Um, but I did like that she stood up for Brainy, and I really appreciated that scene with Alex because uh, Alex reassures Brainy that not everybody is like that guy. Is not like Massimo who. Uh, befriended him and then changed when he found out who he really was not everybody is like that and I think that's something that uh I appreciated that the show reinforced the fact that not everybody is Agent Liberty not everybody is Mercy and Otis there are some people in the world who are going to uh take you in for who you are and who are going to accept you for who you are and those people are going to be your real friends and I loved I loved that um Nia told him that earlier on in the scene that a true friend is going to accept you for er, for who you are. And Brainy told Alex, you know, you are a true friend. And I thought that that was really cute that they have gotten to the point where they consider each other their friend. They were really contentious in the first episode. Now they've gotten <laughs> to the point where Alex is willing to go to the, go to bat for Brainy. So I thought that that was a nice resolution to that little storyline. I like that too. I, I, I like the, um, the brainy being Alex is kind of like annoying little brother. Yeah. Uh, but like you, you listen, you can want to kill your annoying little brother, but like you're no one else is allowed to, <laughs> to hurt, to hurt your annoying little brother, because then you have to, you have to deal with Alex and Alex is not playing. Yeah. And he says that cute line where he says all aliens deserve an Alex Danvers. Oh, that was adorable. That is so cute. Cause that is something that I think Supergirl would agree with. Uh, that uh, Alex has been a good friend to aliens uh, in her life. As for, you know, Kara and Jean, uh, who, who else? Am I missing anyone? Brian, I mean, Brian. Brian, Brian the alien. She was, <laughs> Brian, definitely. She had a connection she got, with he, Brian. She got him out of a couple uh, <laughs> scrapes, I think. <laughs> so so she, she's been a uh, friend to the aliens. So it's good to see that she's sort of adopted Bernie in that way, not... Not legally adopted, but she has taken uh, him in under her wing. Uh, so I was glad to see that. Well, uh, in terms of the uh, entirety of the episode of Fallout, what did you think? What are your overall thoughts? I really liked this one. I thought it was uh, it was better than the premiere, definitely. Um, listen, if you give me Luther's and you give me fighting with robot arms, uh, I can forgive <laughs> almost anything. Um, so I can forgive the, the huge plot hole that Brainy is somehow the smartest, uh, person in the universe, but didn't notice a simple video loop. So (laughs) I, I was like, boy, Brainy is real off in this episode, but, um, off to this extent, it feels like, um, it's a little hand wavy, like, okay, let's just let them have this. (laughs) Um, but no, I really liked this episode. I thought it, um, it did a good job setting up, uh, some of the themes very heavy, heavy handedly at times. Um, but I, I liked, I liked the Nia and James scene. I liked Nia and, uh, the Nia and Brainy stuff. Uh, the Cara, Lena, um, even mercy stuff could have literally been its own episode it was so good um so i really like this one i enjoyed this one a whole lot yeah there were some things that i did find questionable as well twice in the episode uh the u.s is re- referred to as a democracy a deo agent says it and Kara says it and i'm like nope not a democracy constitutional <laughs> republic 
get it right. As our good friend Benjamin Franklin would say. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin uh, referred to uh, the government that we have established, that the Founding Fathers have established as a republic. Uh, So just FYI, not a democracy, constitutional republic look it up. But if it's it's only a republic, if you can keep it, that's what Benjamin Franklin would say. <laughs> but I did like the stuff with Brainy and Alex and Nia. I did, um, even though I wish James had just stuck to the facts, I, I agree with you, I think, uh, showing the uh, way that they sort of worked through that scenario about what Catco was going to need to do. I thought that was really good. I liked the um, the Supergirl stuff a lot in this episode. I was glad that President Marsden is on her way out. Good riddance. You've <laughs> let down the Constitution. I, I love Wonder Woman. I love Linda Carter. But I don't know that I have a need for President Marsden anymore. Goodbye. Thank you for your service. Um, we'll see you maybe uh, sometime later. Uh, so I'm curious about what Vice President Baker is going to be doing. Uh, I thought his scene with uh, Supergirl was nice. I, I, so I'm curious to see how that relationship is going to go. And I, I'm with you. The Mercy, uh, Lena, Kara, Eve stuff was probably my favorite part of the episode. So uh, that I would love to see more of because Mercy was just so awesome in this episode. So a um, lot better than uh, the premiere for me. A tremendous amount. I didn't realize how packed this episode was with, with storylines until we started talking about them because we didn't even uh, touch on John uh, in this episode. In, in this podcast episode, but he had like a whole little subplot as well. Like there were just so many things happening in this one. And that's true. He was on the mission to find out what happened to his friend Fiona from the uh, the alien support group. So, well, we did get a little information. We saw a little hint of uh, Mr. Manchester Black there. So that was an intriguing bit that Fiona was supposed to marry him. So that's unfortunate. And I feel like that's probably a good way to bring Manchester Black into the storyline. So I think that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about Fallout. Our first tweet is from at RachelJoy23. So, dot, 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 was the episode called Fallout because it happened in the aftermath of President Marsden being discovered as an alien? Or was it called that because Kara fell out of the sky at the end? Also, another thing we never mentioned. (laughs) So many things happened in this one. I think a lot of people were falling out of things. uh, So that's probably a mixture of that. Uh, The Kara stuff with the kryptonite is interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan, did they Mm -hmm. use the the machine that they used at the end of season two to... uh, throw the lead out into the air to affect the Daxamites. Is that that same contraption? I believe so. So I think that maybe Mercy took that from L-Corp. Did she take it from L-Corp or did she take it from the DEO? Because oh, maybe. it seemed like she did turn that <gasps> one really angry guy who just kept staring at Brainy in like a really weird way and glaring and like flaring his nostrils in a way I found a little bit disturbing. Uh, they they did turn him and let and get him to get let them out of their containment cells. So it seems like it wouldn't be a bridge too far for them to convince him, oh hey, we need that DEO device that dispersed all that lead. Yeah, so that would make more sense. I think Alina developed it, but it would make sense that it would be living at the DEO. So yeah, now that's been used on her. So I guess that's sort of a 
a flip of the script that um, they used it on the Daxmites and now they used it on her. Um, at Kenny Crayley said, Melissa Benoist, Kyler Lee, David Harewood, Nicole Maines, and Sam Witwer were really good in this episode and it had a great cliffhanger. Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, wonderful episode. Supergirl is good again and I'm so happy. It's amazing to think that Lena grew up surrounded by terrible people and became such a good person. I really hope they don't ruin that by making her a villain this season. We need complicated people that are not evil. I will say one of my favorite lines from Lena that I'm now remembering after this uh, this comment is when she talks to Mercy and she says um, they're talking about which one of them is cooler, basically. And uh, and Lena says, you picked a side. That's something I would never do. Yeah. Which I thought was like amazing because that is uh, that is one of the reasons why I find her character so compelling. I find those like morally gray area characters to be um, like infinitely watchable because you just really never know what they're going to do. And so that's sort of the one reason why when we talk about Lena, you know, air quotes, staying good or becoming a villain, I always tend towards the staying good because she's, I mean, she's a good person, but she can also do some, some questionable things. And I I think that if she becomes a villain, then you know what she's going to do because it's going to be the bad thing. But right now, as, as Lena is, she could do anything. She's a wild card. Yeah, I, I agree. At Madtown Davidson said, I thought it was a pretty good episode. Enjoyed all the stuff at Elk Corp the most. I know it's not boardroom or ballroom, but can we talk about Lena pouring herself an absolute vat of midday scotch after polishing off some <laughs> big belly burger? <laughs> That's amazing. Maybe that's typical. I don't know if that's what she normally does at, at work every day. She's like, listen, I, I, I just need a little buzz on to do these quarterly reports. <laughs> <laughs> the By the middle of the season, we're going to have the uh, Lena intervention episode. Yeah, we need to talk, <laughs> Lena. You might have a problem. At Rick Knoll said, my huge frustration over the fact that Cara doesn't tell Lena the truth reached new levels during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, at LSL Fricky said, how's the DEO still a clandestine organization? Surely if people knew they existed to monitor aliens, it would reassure them a little bit about the issue. Also, how can Alex tell agents to keep politics out of work when John took their guns away because of his own personal views? Also, can they let James have some agency? And he has only been at CatCo a week, and she's already telling him how to run the paper. <laughs> listen, James, listen, he's tired that the new desk that he has to sleep under is not very comfortable. He hasn't worked not- it in yet. He he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't figured it out yet. You just got to give him some time. All great points, though. All great points. Uh, The DEO should reassure people that uh, the bad aliens, they're going to take care of the bad ones. That's so funny. It's not something I considered, but it's something that makes so much sense. Like, people would probably feel a lot better if they were like, listen, we have this organization that gets the bad aliens and puts them in jail. Like, I feel like that would solve a lot of tension yeah i think so it's a great point but i guess if you did that you wouldn't have a season so (laughs) maybe you can't pull that thread um at chris fundalinski said Kara not being able to get away from lena to change into supergirl was amusing the nia and james chat was fantastic and i loved the supergirl speech nice call back to the hope speech and then like a little emoji thumbs up (laughs) Uh, um at fractal inverter which is definitely not how you pronounce that no, usually I, I think you got it 
Really? Yeah. I, I hope so. Uh, Tweet us and, and let me know how close I was. <laughs> um, one of the strongest episodes, in my opinion. It feels like a Supergirl show again. They have time for so much in each episode once they reduce the active superhero roster and drop the love squabbles. Um, at Fateful Fool said, I don't trust President Baker. The Graves are schemers, and if they turned a DEO agent to their side, why not a politician? The siblings could have revealed Marsden's secret to Baker long before her exposure for the to the public to ensure a president more supportive of their agenda. Maybe I'm too trusting, but I didn't I didn't see him as a guy who had any kind of hidden agenda. He almost seemed like a guy who was a little bit nervous of taking on this position that he probably didn't think that he would be taking on so quickly. Uh, and he seemed like he was very grateful to Supergirl's help and that, that she would be on his side. And I also don't think it would make narrative sense if he turned out to be bad as well. And not necessarily, not necessarily saying that President Marsden was a bad character. She didn't do evil things, but she did uh, she uh, violated some rules. So it wouldn't make sense to me to also then have the person who succeeded her to also be a bad character. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, our last tweet is um, at Jesso13. She says, my local station messed up, so I missed some of the middle, some in the middle and the last five minutes, but what I saw I really liked. Loved how Lena protected Kara and thought it was awesome to see her physically fight Mercy. Also love that Kara and Supergirl both defended Lena in the same scene. Uh, yeah, I would recommend you go back and watch the whole episode. You don't want to miss the last five minutes. Some stuff went down. Well, we have an email from a listener named New Rachel who writes, quote, I listened to your episode on 401, which was the premiere, and you brought up a Brainy's image inducer with the question of why Lena is suddenly marketing them. I came up with three possibilities. Number one, during the mentioned uh, three months that have passed since season three, Lena and Brainy have been working together to mass produce the image inducers reverse engineered from the one that Brainy brought with him from the future. The second possibility is that this is more of a time loop situation where Brainy's image inducer technology is the latest model of an invention originated by Elcorp, and he shows it to Lena, which inspires her to create it with this invention surviving to the 31st century. The third possibility is that Lena was not influenced by Brainy's technology at all, instead seeing the image inducer technology as a way of redeeming herself to the aliens of National City, given that originally in Season 2 she invented a device, this is a good point, that would expose, detect, uh, expose and detect aliens. In this case, as with the others, Brainy's device still does not come from the future version of Elcorp, but he does not interfere so as to avoid changing time. Uh, so I like these points uh, it was something I had not thought of. I think it's very possible that maybe Lena did create the image inducer in this present time. And then in the future, Brainy had a version of the image inducer and brought it back with him into the present. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. So I like the idea that Lena invented it because she did want to redeem herself after what she had to do because it was the way to save the world. She uh, she did what she did with the Daxamites and to sort of redeem it and sort of pay penance, I guess, uh, for that action. She does something to help the aliens of National City. I like that thought a lot. We also have an email from Fanny 
who wanted to ask some questions regarding this week's episode and what might come next. Fanny writes, does Agent Jensen know Supergirl's identity? Everyone at the DEO seems to know. If so, will he tell Mercy and will she use that against Kara? Also, I feel that like Supergirl is back in Lena's good grace for now. Will Lena be affected by the fact that Kryptonite, the main reason for the rift between her and Supergirl, is killing her? How will they explain Kara's absence? Let's hope that John will not play her double. It's been done a few times already. I I guess we should like maybe just do some quick answers. What do you think about? Do you think that Agent Jensen knows Supergirl's identity because everybody at the DEO is a uh, way chill with him? I want to go no at this point because Jensen seemed pretty new. Yeah, he seemed like he was like a fresh on the scene and like just real anger. That's not a dude that I would tell a secret to. <laughs> yeah. He has some anger management issues. I don't think he's gotten to that point in his career yet that they would let him in on the Supergirl secret identity. I don't think so either. I think that's for the higher ups <laughs> and for the people who just happen to be there when she changes. <laughs> um, do you think that Lena's going to be affected by the fact that like Supergirl got taken out by Kryptonite? And they had that whole big kryptonite fight list. Yeah, I think if uh, we're going to see Supergirl affected by kryptonite, I think Lena is going to play a part in that that, uh, situation. Yeah, me too. So we also have an email from Daryl who writes, quote, I was listening to the podcast last week and I was surprised no one mentioned the conclusion of the Sam and Ruby storyline since their story was the largest part of last season. Uh, I'm also surprised none of the feedbackers mentioned it, unquote. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good point. We didn't really talk about Sam and Ruby. Ruby. They were mentioned in the premiere. No, we didn't. Uh, but there wasn't really a lot to talk about. They just mentioned, hey, they're they're having a happy ending. So good for them. They're living their best lives. And it, Sam is coaching Ruby's something team, her soccer team. I think she played soccer. Yeah, that seems right. So, I mean, that's yeah, it seems like, listen, if anybody deserves a vacation, it's it's Sam and Ruby, so I'm I'm happy that they're uh, that they're doing well in Metropolis. It was Metropolis, wasn't it? I think so. They're they're starting over, so good for them. Um, we have an email from Emily who writes: This was a mixed bag for me. There was lots I enjoyed. Every moment of the L Corp lockdown, Kara trying to escape to be Supergirl, Lena trying to protect Kara, Miss Tess Mocker being awesome, the Graves siblings being horrible, and the Alex Brainy interaction all very engaging. The Jean storyline I could take or leave. Sad to say, didn't leave much of an impression except that brief glimpse of Manchester Black. I'm glad President Mosden resigned. That was the right thing for her to do. But beyond that, boy, does the show grind to a halt for me when it centers on this storyline. This is a complicated subject, and while I appreciate that they're trying to tackle it, I don't see the point. I feel like wherever you stand on the real-life issues, they are, with the subtlety of an anvil, trying to <laughs> represent. Uh, you are unlikely to be swayed, in your opinion, by a TV show. Not to mention it's a total drag to watch when I when what I want is the escapism of a superhero show so all that being said there was enough good stuff in this episode to make me look forward to next week i just hope they can move past this anti-alien storyline sooner than later even though they seem to be in it for the long haul i need lena to invent a storyline inducer so that i can turn this into something else i want to (laughs) see wouldn't that be nice i would like that for a lot of stories that's the best line ever (laughs) i do find some of this stuff you know i wish it wasn't on the show some sometimes, uh, but I, I I don't see any problem with you know opening up dialogue and conversations about things, and so some of that I think is 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 
pretty healthy, even though it does have the subtlety of an anvil. Yeah, it's not very subtle. It, it is more coherent than I uh, expected it to be. <laughs> I will say that. Um, not a dig on the show at all, but like just based on their other topical episodes, uh, lacking like uh, logical coherency within the universe, I can at least, I can at least uh, appreciate that all of this has like past storyline build up to it because you know of how they have an alien invasion every may so (laughs) (laughs) well you know and i gotta give them credit for being really gutsy because they basically said you know that episode that everyone hated last season because it was super topical let's just do a whole season (laughs) like that let's lean into that (laughs) (laughs) so you know what i gotta give you props for being that courageous and gutsy so uh, good for the show uh, well, we also have an email from Alex who writes, uh, quote, as usual, the Supergirl writers are handling a current political topic with all the subtlety of using <laughs> a sledgehammer to kill a fly. That's a, also a good uh, <laughs> analogy. Uh, Alex goes on to say, I appreciate that superhero shows have to reflect the times that they are set in. And I did enjoy many parts of this episode. I just hope we will not get as many political speeches in every episode as we had this week. Finally, I understand next week's episode, Man of Steel, will have a lot of backstory about Agent Liberty and how he went from law-abiding citizen to the man he is now. I hope they will give good explanations of how he got there. They can't continue to portray people uh, afraid of aliens as ignorant bigots, not after the show's writers uh, The show's writers have given the people of Earth-38 plenty of reasons to fear aliens, i.e. the various alien invasions, criminals from Fort Ross, etc. As James said, we need to get the story from both sides, unquote. Uh, Danielle sent us an email saying, President Marsden stepping down was a good idea, even though I will miss President Wonder Woman. I liked how she admitted to breaking a couple of the Constitution's rules. I know you probably liked that as well, Rebecca. Yeah, I did. (laughs) And her talk with Supergirl about being the good in the world. Everything with Nia was awesome. I love seeing her stand up for Brainy at the pizza place. I loved her conversation with James, uh, James about going for justice instead of balance. And I just loved it all. I love her so much and I can't wait to see more of her. Also, Kara and Lena, my God, love them so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, Lena protecting Kara and telling her to stay with her when Kara was trying to change into Supergirl was the best, and I laughed out loud during those scenes. Eve was also amazing, and I love seeing her on my screen again. And Lena being a badass with the Lexo suit. I need more of this, please. Uh, Kari giving a speech at the end was very reminiscent of the end of season one when she gave that speech about hope and it made me so happy. I think we could all use a little hope in our lives. And I also liked how Agent Liberty's speech about fear counteracted it. The theme and tone have been set and I pray that hope triumphs. Hope, help, and compassion for all, as Supergirl says. Yeah, that's a good point that the uh, two speeches uh, about fear and about, uh, well, actually Supergirl in her little speech to the camera she talked a lot about fear in that as well. So <laughs> there's uh, two different uh, ways of looking at that. There, there, People are trying, you know, Supergirl's trying to say, yeah, there's things to fear, but there's also ways we can counteract that. And uh, Agent Liberty was basically saying, I want you to be fearful. I want you to feel fear. So, uh, yeah, it was two different uh, ways to uh, go about that. 
Uh, well, Troy wrote in to share some thoughts about uh, our conversation on Supergirl Radio about the premiere, writing, quote, I'm writing just to say that many of my thoughts and feelings about the message the show is trying to convey echo Rebecca's own. I wouldn't have used a word as strong as disgust, but I would say it has been off-putting. As Morgan was saying, no subtext, just text. Isn't it better for a television show to set an example by showing us rather than preaching to us? It's hard to hear from someone, even a television show, that your own life experiences aren't important. Or more harshly, the things you think about yourself or your world are just plain wrong. Tolerance, acceptance, inclusiveness are such a part of our American culture that we don't even notice it until someone points it out to us. The writers of Supergirl want to offer a commentary on the world they perceive, but instead of letting it rub me the wrong way, I use it as a reminder that superhero stories help us to be better by showing us how good we can be when we try. There's no denying that there are a lot of people out there who are experiencing a lot of personal pain and hardship, and I hope they will look to the superhero stories we love uh, as inspiration that things can and will get better. And I'm uh, always willing to listen, to talk, to think, and to help so that other people can gain the sorts of life experiences where they uh, can feel just as lucky to be alive, surrounded by good people, unquote. I really appreciate you sharing those thoughts, uh, Troy, and that's actually a really inspiring and encouraging email for me to read, uh, just to have that perspective that there are some things that are bad and wrong about our world, and there are some things that we can fix But there's also a lot of good in the world. There are also a lot of good people out there doing a lot of awesome things to help other people. Uh, So I'm 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 glad that I, for me personally, to have that reminder. And I think superhero stories do a really good job of uh, helping us look to the way we could be and how we can achieve and uh, be better as as uh, humans, even though we don't have superpowers, or at least I don't. Maybe other people <laughs> have superpowers, but I don't. Seek for yourself, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is uh, very uh, good for me to remember that, um, yeah, there's some bad things in the world and there's things that we can work on, but there are also some good things in the world too. So I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and uh, your outlook on the world as well, Troy. Uh, we have an email from Gina who writes, where Supergirl fails is when this giant hand of heavy comes slamming into our faces. What's even more frustrating is that you can see bits in the episode of how the writers can handle these social commentaries better. Some examples. Jean doing his investigation with Fiona, which is an obvious lead up to the introduction of Manchester Black. But him following the clues she left behind to the alien hatred group felt like a more organic part of the show. The actual alien hatred group was the heavy-handed part of it, though. Seriously, these people are cheering about distrusting aliens led by a dude behind a creepy mask? Am I missing (laughs) something here? Yeah, it's funny that she mentions this because I thought the exact same thing, which is like, are people really okay with uh, with the man in the iron mask up there just like telling them what to do <laughs> like yeah aliens are so creepy i'm gonna listen to you giant gold-faced man <laughs> who probably hasn't told me his name and just refers to himself as an agent of liberty <laughs> agent of liberty yeah everything about this is super normal i feel like we need uh Tico back to just like really put things in perspective because <laughs> it's like uh, you're in a cult call your dad yeah uh, <laughs> speaking of creepy um, they go on 
to write, creepy DEO agent Jensen eyeing Brainy with distaste and distrust is another good example. I'm sure there are agents like him that wonder what the DEO stands for, especially those who worked under the original Hank Henshaw, who truly did hate aliens. Again, the heavy-handed part of it was the group of red-shirt agents commenting on President Wonder Woman's speech of her stepping down. Oh, the red shirts. Uh, Another uh, example is the general points of view of Lena and Kara. Lena obviously has her point of view on aliens that seems to be in a gray area. I think the show can say what they want to say through each of these characters and not feel heavy-handed because these points of view are very natural to each character. Um, and the final good example is Nia's confrontation at the pizza place and her opening up to James about being transgender. The show knows that what milestone it's reaching by having transgender representation. I think it handled her reaction to what was happening around her so well. It tied back to her experiences and that passion extended to her pleading with James to take a stand. Because the whole situation seems to hint at her having powers, it's a natural progression and connection to the theme. Uh, We have an email from Marissa who writes, quote, I really enjoyed this week's episode of Supergirl. My favorite scenes were with Cara, Lena, and Eve Tasmagar at El Corp. (laughs) For someone who is trying really hard not uh, to not reveal her secret identity, Cara is literally the least subtle person ever. Even Otis could figure out Cara is Supergirl. I could not stop cackling when Cara kept trying to pretend she was scared and Lena wouldn't let her out of her sight. The eye rolls and shrugs from Kara were perfect. Also, can we just talk about how super sketchy President Baker is? Uh, and uh, Marissa goes on to say, thanks for always being a highlight of my week. Well, we appreciate that you listen and that you wrote in. And uh, Marissa also says, P.S. I will never get tired of watching Alex put people in their places, unquote. And our last email comes from a new listener named Nikita, who writes also, Hi, Nikita. Uh, Okay. Uh, Nikita writes, Season 4's theme of calling alien roaches is upsetting. I don't like it. I wish the writers had created a made-up word that means bug rather than use the word roach. I especially didn't like it when Mercy called Supergirl a roach. That was just wrong considering everything Supergirl has done for Earth. Uh, it is hard to watch these bigoted um, ignoramuses uh, being manipulated by Agent Liberty. Uh, Liberty is appealing to the lowest common denominator and blaming all economic and social problems and woes on aliens. Aliens are convenient scapegoats. These people are allowing themselves to be led by a masked man whose identity uh, they don't even know and hypocritically could be an alien himself. He could be inciting a- humans to hate aliens for his own selfish and evil reasons. Liberty and his uninformed followers are morally worse than Lillian Luther, in my opinion. Oh. Uh, you know what? I would agree with that because Lillian Luther is the best. <laughs> um, she says, uh, I have questions too. Isn't isn't it about time Supergirl routinely wears a guard against kryptonite like her Aunt Astra and Uncle Non? I mean, she might want to think about it. It's not a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Was Brainy supposed to be that indecisive or was his indecisiveness a way for the writers to show how devastating bigotry and hatred can be? I think the later. Yeah. Um, And then lastly, I don't trust the new president, President Baker. I believe he will betray Kara because Kara, who I love as a character, is so Pollyanna at times. I don't know. People are really picking up some like bad vibes from President Baker that I wasn't getting. <laughs> I, I didn't get it either, but you know, I guess there is that uh, you know that sense that maybe there we should be skeptical just because he's someone new and we don't know him. We don't know if we can trust him. So I I, I get that, but 
I don't know. I just I don't think it makes any sense to have two bad presidents in a row. You got to have somebody who redeems the president of the United States office. Like I feel like <laughs> you, you would have, hope <laughs> you have to have somebody who comes in there and like makes the the office of the president, you know, something something good again. So that's just me. But we'll have to see. Maybe he is sketchy. Maybe we do have to worry about him. We'll have to see what what he does in the future. Well, we have two voicemails from our listeners. The first one is from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio, Mauricio here again. I'm liking Supergirl, but this is so weird. Like, all this hate drama stuff, it feels like it came out of nowhere. I'm not going to lie. It's it's really getting to me now. Granted, I feel like it's it's taking the stuff from the era where it's like we have an A plot, then the B plot's going to happen with um, Red Sun Kryptonite, which I can't wait, but... How are you guys feeling? Because it's like, I don't know how I can endure this. It's making me not, I mean, I'm loving the show, don't get me wrong, but it's like making me uncomfortable. But other than that, I love Brainiac, and I love that we got to see him with the makeup again. Well, until next week, take care, and adios. The hate stuff does see, I, I think it feels like it comes out of nowhere just because we don't, we haven't really addressed why that is happening just yet there was a little bit of that with agent liberty's speech there at the end where he was asking questions like how many you raise your hand if you've lost a job or your children are having nightmares because i'm i'm not always a great person i did laugh a little bit when he he was like how many of you have lost a home in an alien attack because i i mean i i bring this up all the time i really want to know more about the real estate market (laughs) (laughs) in national city i feel like you must be able to get a mansion for like a dollar there i mean i would be really frustrated too if uh, i had to deal with rebuilding my home every year just nonstop rent Innovations, like you're in a non, like you're in a loop of an HGTV show. It's what I imagine their lives are like. <laughs> and the second one is from Jordan. Hello, Supergirl Radio. This is Jordan Valdez calling in right after watching the episode Fallout, the second episode of season four. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it. Uh, some super powerful moments with Supergirl. Two of them with Supergirl. Uh, one with Alex, one with Mia, one with Jane. So some super powerful moments in this episode. I also loved uh, seeing, uh, for the second straight episode, three Smallville alumni in one episode. I loved um, getting Otis and Miss Tessmacher together in one episode. They didn't share any scenes together, but I loved seeing them both in the same episode. Um, Happy Day of Wonder is Day of Wonder as of, as of this episode airing, as of me recording this. Uh, and so it felt very fitting that Smallville alum Linda Carter uh, was in this episode. Um, I loved getting even more of Agent Liberty in this episode, and he is absolutely terrifying. Looks like we're getting even more of him in the next episode, which I am super excited about. Um, this episode made me crave some pizza. So uh, probably not from the pizza place we see in this episode, but it did make me crave some pizza. So that's something. And then seeing some Lexo suit action, I absolutely loved. It wasn't full Lexo suit action. But it was pretty awesome. I think that Mercy using one of the arms in that was a nod to Young Justice, where she has a cybernetic uh, arm uh, in Young Justice. So anyway, I thought that was a cool nod to that. And then that cliffhanger, whoa. Uh, so it has me super excited for next week. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I thought this was a second straight super episode to start the season. And uh, I can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts. Um, Kalana forever. Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Something that I had forgotten, uh, that Linda Carter was on Smallville. I had also forgotten that until you mentioned it to me earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted to kick myself if I could, because... 
that just seems like something I should have remembered, and I totally didn't. But uh, Jordan, as always, is uh, good to point out the uh, Smallville alums uh, who have who have and are appearing on the show. Uh, and <laughs> I thought it was funny that Jordan also mentioned that uh, this episode made him want to crave some pizza. I totally get that. Uh, I might have to eat some pizza uh, this week as well, <laughs> just uh, in honor of this week's episode. I might have had some pizza earlier today. <laughs> you know what? Uh, let's let's just all have carve out some time this week. Have a have a slice of pie. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Get some pizza, I, and I highly recommend pineapple on a pizza. Very good. You should try it. Uh, so before we wrap up our feedback, we have some snap judgments. Sent in by our listeners. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Let's do it. Are you ready? (laughs) I am ready. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Uh, At Jesso13 asks, Alex's fight with Mercy or Lena's fight with Mercy? Oh, Lena's fight with Mercy. I mean, anything that has a robot arm is going to win by default. Yeah. So obviously, Lena's fight with Mercy. Oh, yeah. Okay. From Nikita, we have, uh, what was the best Supergirl action scene? Saving James in the elevator shaft in Human for a Day, lifting Fort Roz in Better Angels, or looking up and heat-visioning the flying monkeys on the ceiling in the DEO in Shot Through the Heart? I'm going to go heat-visioning the flying monkeys. That is one of the coolest shots I've ever done on the show. I mean, the lifting the Fort Ross was pretty cool. But man, those monkeys. <laughs> I gotta go the monkeys, too. I, I mean, that was really neat. Okay. From Emily, we have a couple. So, Eve at Catco or Eve at Elcorp? Eve at Elcorp. Oh, Eve at Elcorp, definitely. She took out a bobby pin and closed a, uh, <laughs> a huge door. <laughs> um, okay. Cars catching the bullets and throwing them back moment or her super sneeze moment. Oh, the catching the bullets was awesome. She caught multiple bullets and then threw them down on the ground so she wouldn't hurt them. I was like, that, that is awesome. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with that one. I have to go to super sneeze just because it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and her explanation for it was so lame. So lame. <laughs> okay. Pizza with apples and olives or big belly burgers? Uh, the apples and olives sounds disgusting. Uh, even though I like apples, I'm not a big olive person. So I'm going to go big belly burger. Yeah. I'm also going to go big belly burger because I also don't like olives, um, and don't feel that they belong on pizzas or anywhere really (laughs) at all. (laughs) I am anti olives. Um, okay. Uh, we have a couple from Gina. Uh, Gina asks, Lena versus Mercy in a hacking battle or in a physical battle with parts of the Lexo suit? Uh, There is nothing worse than watching people in a hacking battle on TV. It's just a lot of hitting keys and like looking around and then like hitting more keys. There there was one time on Arrow, I remember that they had Felicity hacking so hard that smoke came out of the computer and I was like, this is so dumb. Oh my God. (laughs) This is so dumb. So I, uh, I'm going to go physical battle with parts of the Lexo suit. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Also physical battle as, as, as uh, Rebecca said, uh, hacking battles, on television and in movies. Oh boy. They're <laughs> they're rough to watch. Um uh, okay, apples and olive pizza or pineapple and ham pizza. I think we both know where we stand here. I I think uh, we're pro pineapple people, so 
I'm going to go pineapple and ham on this one. Oh, definitely pineapple and ham. Uh, you haters are wrong. Okay. <laughs> we, we are anti-olive, pro-pineapple. We're taking a real stand tonight. Okay. <laughs> Our last snap judgments come from Cloud. Uh, would you rather live in Kara's loft, Alex's studio, or Jean's apartment? Kara's loft. I don't even have to think about that. That is awesome. She's got that big window. She's got that uh, big open space. I love Kara's loft. Yeah. You know, while Alex's studio is pretty cool and I have no conception of John's apartment in my <laughs> memory, Kara's uh, loft is just the best. Um, so I have to go that one too. Okay. Would you rather see Brainy in his true blue or Jean in his natural green? I, I think I'm going to go Brainy because we've seen Jean in his natural green a lot. We haven't seen as much of Brainy in his in his true blue. So I'm going to go Brainy. Okay. I'm going to go Jean in his natural green because I feel like the phrase in his natural green <laughs> is kind of suggestive and I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> um okay our last our last snap judgment and we've got some good ones this week okay who does the best evil maxwell lord morgan edge lillian luther or pam from hr so there's a difference between best and favorite uh i think pam from hr though could really do some damage to your career Totally. I think she could really change your life uh, for the worse. Uh, maybe also for the better, but definitely for the worse. Uh, it's really because Morgan Edge was he was so inept. Not not great. Just not great. Completely forgettable. I actually forgot about him at one point. Lena Luther literally walked into his office with a gun <laughs> under her leather jacket with her most evil eyeliner on. And somehow his security didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to rule out Morgan Edge. Maxwell Lord, I, I think he was considered maybe more of a hero by the time season one ended. So I don't think he really did a lot of evil as much as maybe he should have. That's true. He was more like... Um, Mostly evil, but sometimes okay. <laughs> He's more like a he was more like an evil frenemy. Yeah, he helped super supergirl save the world. So I'm gonna strike him out there. Lillian Luther, though. I think I'm gonna go Lil as much as I want to go Pam from HR on this one, I have to pick <laughs> Lillian. Lil I would be dishonest with myself if I did not pick Lillian. So I'm gonna go Lillian Luther on this one. Yeah, this is a very tough one. I mean I love Maxwell Lord. The show forgot about him in such an amazing fashion. <laughs> <laughs> May he never be talked about again. Um, hmm. But I mean, Pam from HR could really just really mess up. <laughs> mess up your stuff. All right. I mean, I have to go with Lillian Luther. It is the correct choice. But the choice of my heart, I feel like, is Pam from HR. <laughs> the same. That is my same thought. No judgments on your snap judgments. Oh, man, those are so good. Uh, so thank you to everybody who sent in tweets, emails, uh, called us on our voicemail line and sent in some snap judgments. Uh, thank you all for sending in uh, your thoughts and feedback on Fallout. Uh, so if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio like all those great people did, uh, you can post a comment on our website 
at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And uh, as a reminder about feedback, try to call or write in uh, before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That really helps us uh, get everything together. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. Uh, and thanks to Garland dot dot for your Apple Podcast review. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow... I zombie, Black Lightning, <laughs> Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, and classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. If you're also a fan of DC TV shows, uh, you should definitely check out Legends of Tomorrow podcast because I think the show came back this week. Yes, is that correct? It sure did. It came back last night as we record this um so uh legends is back it's crazy and it's back <laughs> so just wanted to highlight that that uh that should be on your radar um and also to be on your radar we have a t public store so if you want some uh new dctv merchandise from all of those shows we have some stuff up on the t public store we've got t-shirts uh, tank tops, sweatshirts for this time of year. You can get that National City sweatshirt that you've been eyeing, but you haven't gotten yet for some reason. I'm not talking to anyone specifically. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you uh, have been thinking about it, you should purchase it. General you, but specifically Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> you should just take that leap is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but you can find a link to the Tee Public store at supergirlradio.com. Uh, and just uh, f- to follow me, I'm taking a little bit of a break on Twitter. I do this occasionally because I, sometimes I just can't stand it. I mean, so- sometimes you just open Twitter and it's like that scene from Community where like <laughs> Troy walks in the room and everything's on fire. Um, and I get it. And sometimes you just need to walk back out of that room and close the door. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's visually kind of what I'm doing. Uh, but I'm also going to be uh, uh, present on Instagram at the Derby Kid that I, I actually prefer Instagram. That is my preferred social media account because uh, pretty pictures. Uh, Everybody likes that. It's so nice. It's so nice. I'm scrolling and it's like scenery and dogs and babies and and then I open Twitter and everybody's (laughs) screaming and everything's on fire. (laughs) Why do I like Twitter? (laughs) It's a little bit of an addiction trying to break that habit. Uh, So, But uh, if you want to catch me and find out what I'm doing, I'm going to try to post on Instagram. Uh, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. Our Justice League uh, discussion of the Lois and Martha scene was recently posted. Uh, I had a few revelations about that scene that I didn't have before we uh, analyzed it. Uh, I don't think uh, you could consider them positive uh, revelations, Uh, but I did uh, 
come away with that from uh, a new with new information and uh, a resolution to it. Uh, so you should definitely check that out if you are curious about what we discussed, because uh, it actually turned out to be a good discussion over a scene I uh, 100% despise. So <laughs> that was actually very productive. So you can uh, definitely check out JLU podcast. And you can find me on Twitter, the uh, <laughs> the fire the fire social media outlet, and um, Instagram. I'm at mojotastic m o j o t s t i c. On Instagram, I mostly post content like uh, dogs riding shotgun and carriages. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you also need a break, you can check that out. Um, I'm also a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which, uh, as Rebecca. Note it has just uh, started back up, so we will be recording this week, uh, and we'll get our first episode uh, for covering the fourth season out. Really, fourth season, third season. I'm uh, giving Legends extra seasons because I love it so. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, sometime this week, so uh, check that out and listen. If you don't watch Legends and you're like, why would I listen to a podcast about it? Uh, Rebecca, take it away. <laughs> you don't have to watch the show. You can just listen to the podcast. <laughs> Highly recommend it. I do it personally. Uh, it's very rewarding. So don't don't worry about it. Just listen to the podcast. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's uh, going to do it for this episode, a discussion on Fallout. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember that a true friend will accept you for who you truly are. Yeah.